We have tons to talk about today. Um, this is going to be a great podcast, guys. Yes. A great podcast. This is our last one of 2020. Um, this has been a roller coaster of a year, to say the least. Super crazy in the theater world, in the movie world. And we are going to recap all of it as well as talk about um, our recent movies that we just watched this week. Um, we got we got a bunch of stuff to get into. So let's just get into it. This is episode 38 of the Sound <laughs> Flick podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am your co-star. Uh, Norik, that's cool. And to the bottom of my screen, Sour I have Mike. Yeah. And to the left of my screen. Yo, what's good, guys? It's your boy, Freddie Flautas, a sincere young Flacco out here. It's your boy chilling. Um, I actually started working on a Freddie Flautas design. So that's, that's cool. nice. You gonna get some Freddie Flautas merch? Uh, I just want like a cool, like, um, like, you know, when you come to, you know, you see like Alberto's, Alan Berto's, Alerto's, like something similar. Alfredo's, all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the owls. Yeah. So I was thinking something kind of like something like that, but then kind of like my. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. But what's good, guys? I'm very excited about today's pod. It's been a good year. Good and yes. bad. We'll talk yes. about it. <laughs> Who knows? We might go a little bit over, but it's going to be a good pod. It's going to be a very, very good pod. Um, I hope you guys had uh, good holidays. Hope you guys got to, you know, kick it with family and stuff. Yeah, let's talk um, about the amazing food Nareek made. Yo, okay. So <laughs> I was on Instagram and yeah. I seen him here just posting like he's on MasterChef. <laughs> Bro, I, I was out here this uh this Christmas. You know, usually you kind of have like the, the typical stuff for Christmas, like the hams and, and all that kind of thing, yeah. the casseroles and all that. And my mom, she hit me like a week ago and she was like, we got to do something different this year. We got to cook. Like, I want to be cooking all all day. We got we got to whip something up. And I was like, okay. So I spent like a week just kind of looking at recipes, and I found uh, I found this this BuzzFeed article that had a a few French Christmas recipes. French. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, we we all right, okay, we here. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get a little hoity toity, a little a little fancy hoity there. That's crazy. <laughs> and um, so they had uh, duck fat roasted potatoes, and I was like, okay, yeah. That is good. yeah Nareek told okay. me he was like, I use duck fat, and I was just like, okay, I see, I see you, bro. Bro, I had no idea. I've, I've never done that before. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So we had the duck fat roasted potatoes. And um, then we did some delicata squash. We roasted that also. And then um, and then we had filet mignon. And um, bro, I made that steak beautifully, just mm. Mm, to perfection. Like yeah. I put it at 275, threw it in the oven for about 50 minutes. It was mm-hmm. like that nice pink all the way through. Right. Man. Topped it with garlic shrimp and a bernet sauce. Yeah. Fire. It was crazy, bro. It was crazy. I also live for the holidays. Oh, that's a classic. I had multiple tamales. We made we made green chili tamales. We made we made regular beef tamales. And then we made beef, bean, and cheese tamales, which are my favorite. Nice. I'm I'm not sure how everybody feels about beans, but like I love beans. So yeah. It's crazy. Beans are delicious. Yeah, beans are bomb. I mean, yeah. I, I don't like like kidney beans, like the big like the big ones that you put like in chili beans. But no, yeah, regular pinto beans or black beans. Um, I usually prefer smashed. 
bump mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, I feel that. See, in Trinidad, we have to, we have a uh, a thing kind of like tamales. They're called pastels, and they're wrapped in banana leaves. Mm, um, but, but very, very similar. I had tamales wrapped in banana leaves, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I awesome. think they're better. Me too. And leaves more moisture, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, with the husk, you usually have to know how to do it proper. Um, like a lot of people would just put dry meat. It's better if you kind of use like a um, a really fatty meat that has like fat stripping out or like extra sauce mm-hmm. with it. So that way, mm-hmm. by the time you're done cooking them, yeah, it's a whole science, bro. For real. No, I, I, I respect it. I respect anybody who's whipping uh-huh. those those up. And I hope everybody who's listening had their fair share of tamales or pastels or however you eat them, beef patties, whatever. But the dinner was fire, though. Oh, and then we made a, uh, an apple cranberry crumb dessert. I didn't post that, but we should but was, do the sound flick kitchen. That would be crazy. Well, Skywalker Michael win, though. Like he he went to culinary school. I didn't know it was a competition. I'm just trying to eat food. I didn't know it was always a competition. Oh, it, it, it is always a competition with us. You know this, sincere. Yeah, uh, but but I, I'm I'm he's down. He's a chef. That's one of the things that's been good about 2020 is I've really really caught the the cooking bug. You know, like I'm so into cooking, trying <laughs> new things out now. Like my cuisinart has been used like so much, mm-hmm, and right. I'm over here roasting and learning stuff and and i'm i'm by no means a professional at all but i do have like a like a natural knack to like season and flavor things like just in a crazy way like the more i learn about that kind of stuff like i just learned about tarragon mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay started using that use that in the baronet sauce oh my goodness yeah oh you know it out there there's a lot to experiment with in food and mm-hmm. I mean, more than your everyday uh, ingredients in your kitchen, you know. But yeah, uh, that's cool, man. That's I mean, cool. making food Everybody's is like making music. Cook. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like you're making a song, and like you, and just the, the it's kind of stressful. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I'm like, man, I got to make sure that these timings are right, and like all this is coming out in the right way, and and all this stuff. And it just reminds me of when I'm recording a song or making a song. But when it comes out perfect, and you just hear that perfect mix. You're like, yo, it's a banger. <laughs> yeah. It's a slap. Yeah. Well, that was good. I'm glad you guys had a good happy holidays, you know. But uh let's get into well before we get into anything, let me tell you guys our agenda for the day. For those who don't know, uh we are doing a sound flick awards today. Hey, hey the flickies. Uh, yeah, it's unofficial name right now, but it's working on that. Shout out Skywalker Mike for that. Yeah, it reminds, it reminds me of his. Yeah, true. It reminds me of the Office, like when it's like the Dundies. So the flick is pretty cool. I didn't even think about that. I just, I figured just add the E's at the end, and it's yeah, isn't that what everybody does? Grammys, <laughs> Emmys, but this is uh, gonna be the Flickies. Um, there's not gonna be like a clear cut winner for each category because. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's our show, so I guess we could do whatever we want. But we have a few, we each have selections that we're going to pick for each category. And we're also going to talk about some recent movies, like Marie had mentioned, and cap off 2020 uh, mm-hmm. best 
best we could. So, I mean, we can get into some movie talk real quick. If you guys yeah, let's do it. Do that. Let's, let's do it. We watched, we watched three different movies for this pod. Usually you guys get three two. We got movies. three. Three well, fire movies. Usually, I feel like... Two we, and a half. Since the pandemic hit, we would <laughs> always do... We would always do, like, different movies. It would be like, all right, I went to go see four movies. Let's do it on the pod. But this yeah. year, obviously, is a little different. And that slowed down, so we had to improvise. But I'm glad we got some blockbusters at the end of the year, too. Me, too. To Me, talk too. About. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, well, let's kick it. Let's kick it off. Um, first movie that we saw before Christmas was... Um, previewed on Netflix. It was a movie that we've talked about briefly on this podcast before. Um, it got moved because of the untimely death of Chadwick Boseman, uh, but it finally was released on Netflix, and that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. And it was, wow, what a, what a film. Yeah. What a bro. film. I honestly did not know what to expect from the movie because I I didn't see a trailer. I'm not sure if a trailer came out, but I would always see like the picture of them in the in the practice space mm-hmm. when they're in the basement. I just I would see that picture, so I was like, "Is this movie going to take place in there the whole time?" Mm-hmm. And it kind of did, but yeah, I still didn't know what to expect from the movie. One because I didn't really know the history of Ma Rainey. Yeah, all. I didn't know who she was at all. Like prior, it, prior even in the movie, even in the movie, they talk about how she's not like the biggest blue star. She's mm-hmm. popular, and a lot of people like her. But there was somebody else who was bigger than her. That uh, uh, Bessie Smith, yeah. was was who was bigger than her. But I guess she she was before Bessie, and they they called her the mother of blues. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those stories where you know we kind of hear it in music a lot. There are just people who are pioneers, and right. then you have people who do it to the masses or do it. I don't want to yeah. say do it right, but just like do it in the in the most way that they can at that time. And yeah. she was one of those pioneers, so she didn't necessarily get the credit um, because she didn't look the part. She yeah. wasn't she wasn't marketable for their standards at that time. But her voice was so unique and her songwriting was so from the heart um, and, and, you know, kind of talking about life that um, I'm just so happy that the film got made. And now people are going to know about her. And uh, yeah, I think just a little bit more about the blues in general. I know there's movies out there about the blues. Um, I guess not a lot of people have seen them. But the thing about this one is it's so easily accessible because it's on a platform like Netflix and almost mm-hmm. everybody has Netflix. So, I mean, it, it was really good. And especially uh, everybody wanted to watch it because it was the last feature film from Chadwick Boseman. Right. So it was kind of, it was a good send off too for him. Like, Oh, he, he went out with a bang, bro. Like yeah, the, with all due respect, he went out with a bang. That was, that was a phenomenal performance from him. The range, yeah, bro. I mean, he kills every role that he, he taps into you know he's he was just built different yeah yeah there are just a few actors who like there's some that that they'll just and this i guess is just in life also there are just some people who they'll do what's asked of them Mm -hmm. you know they'll just they'll do you know this is what what it calls for this is what i'm gonna do 
And then there's the actors and other people who have passions who just take it up a notch. They think of what can I do to really, really bring this to life? Um, how can I add certain things to it? How can I experience it myself so that it can become uh, like the realest representation possible? And Chadwick mm. was one of those make actors. It, make it me, you know? Yeah. You know, so yeah, he really took it to the limit. I, I was watching the feature after the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I was talking about it when I too. And there was a part where they were talking about Chadwick. And obviously he wasn't in the feature because this was, uh, I think it was a few months after the movie had mm-hmm. came out. So he wasn't involved, but they talked about him a lot. And they talked about how he learned to play the trumpet because mm-hmm. he wanted to take it to the next level, you know? So he hit up, I think it was the... I don't want to get it wrong, but it was the guy who would help with the instruments. And he's like, Hey, can you draw me a finger chart? So yeah. I, I think his name was Alan. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it yeah. was Alan who did, who did the, who did the majority of the music for that uh-huh. movie. Yeah. So like when he, when Chadwick asked him that, he was like, really? He was like, all right. And he just, no hesitation, did the finger chart for him. And he said he learned it like super quick. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's, it's just it's just taking it there and like I think that that's the beauty of of movies and and us as movie lovers like we love to see actors go all the way with something you know and it's just unfortunate that some of the ones that have gone all the way have passed away as well mm-hmm. um, no correlation but it's just like they they put their heart and soul into every film and that takes a lot of energy out of a person. You know, but you get such a benefit from learning that, like whether it's Keanu Reeves learning all of the, you know, all of the guns. Yeah. Learning how to shoot and learning how to how to fight because of the movies that he's being cast in. You can easily get a double. But if you can show that, like, yo, I'm, I'm prepared to learn this and put in the time, you just gain more skills out yeah. of it. You know, you gain more skills, you gain more knowledge and you also get paid to do that. Like that's crazy, right. um, you know, for, for right. that, you know, for that. But sincere, how'd you feel about my rating? Um, I didn't know how to feel real. So like going into it, I think the main shot I heard from like the trailer is when you bust through the door, like into the little, like little brick wall space. Um, so I was like, okay, this is going to be like about blues. I was like, how to kind of go into it. Um, and then it kind of just blew me away, bro, from, from kind of seeing how he wants to step out to him. I think the emotion was really well put together as far as the flow of them messing around in the band room, right? Kind of talking shit to one, um, one another and say him going into the story about how his mom was raped and basically what his dad had to do and how, why he, why he's, this is the way he was. And this is how I talked to the white man. And you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I think the flow was just super crazy. And I, I like the aesthetic of when they're walking around outside, because it reminded me of the great Gatsby. Yeah, you know, remember how like clean and how like how visually like healing that movie was, like at least. Yeah, I think I think this movie this movie took place in the twenties or the thirties. It's twenties, yeah, twenties, and um, I believe the director said that he wanted it to be like a hot day in in Chicago, Mm. and so he made the sun white. You know, he he made made the sky white. white. Yeah. And it was just like that. It was so um, just like 
you can feel the heat from the characters. You know, you can see them sweating. And we already know how heat gets to us. I could only imagine what it was like in such a hostile, you know, kind yeah. of environment. Especially, and what was, like, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Finish, finish, finish. No, I was just saying, especially, um, you know, in Chicago and, and, and to not receive the air conditioning, you know, every, these places weren't air conditioned like that. You know what I mean? There wasn't central air like that. You really just had your fan that would just circulate the air that's there. And that's all you got, especially with, um, you know, with black people and, and them not having access to certain things during that time, you know, um, it, it, it's just such a peculiar time in, in our, you know, American history because, Black people were free, although the um, they weren't receiving the same kind of treatment that everyone else was. And for them to touch on specifically race records and how the music industry was taking black music because all of these new black people were free and and ready to be consumers to them and then not giving them their just due was really at the crux and the center yeah. of, of this movie. And the way that they portrayed that with all of this heat and tension was, I thought, was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Just the way they were being treated in the studio, you know, like uh, Chadwick's character really wanted to record these songs with a band. And he was writing them for for the for the lead person in the studio and he kept telling him yeah when you get a band together you can record these mm-hmm. and you know just just the way things turn out you know with the heat on top of that mm-hmm. and and being a black man in america just supposedly you're free but yet you're still not giving the opportunities as mm-hmm. the white man you know mm-hmm. and him envying the white man him being and being poked at that he's he's scared of the white man you know all that bothered yeah. him and it got to him and pretty much everybody else you know so yeah, yeah. And, then, yeah. and then you mentioning him breaking through the door is kind of like it, it's kind of figurative like he he right. wanted to see what's on the other side of the door but you don't need like before you get to what's on the other side of the door you have to figure out like what you have in front of you at first and you don't know what's on the other side of the door even when you open that door there could be nothing you know it's, mm-hmm. it's just a wall you hit a wall and that's it yeah and that was just brilliant from the director to kind of mm. do that. I didn't think that this movie was going to dive into Chadwick Boseman's character, you know, yeah. le- like that, I didn't levy. I didn't think that he was going to be the focal point. But as okay. I was watching the movie and I realized, oh, this this is only going to take place in this studio. Like and and you can tell because every character had a chance to to have a dialogue that gave you a little bit more information about them Mm -hmm. as it went through. So it became less about what they were doing and, and, uh, and more about like who they are as people and what led them to this place. And that to me was very like, um, theater esque, you know, like it was almost like a play. Yeah. And, and the person who wrote these films, um, you know, he wrote fences, um and which is a play style movie as well that had James Earl Jones and then later Denzel Washington starred in 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 a rendition of that movie as well and it's about the the life not even the life a day in people's lives 
Yeah. And it's really cool to create an entire movie about just one day because aside from the uh, from the um from earlier seeing, yeah, the beginning yeah. of like seeing Ma Rainey perform. This all yeah, takes cool. place. That was really cool, man. That yeah. was so cool in the tents and yeah. like with everyone there. And that actually happened. Like it was a thing. Like it wasn't. Yeah, why are these boys running through the woods? And yeah. Yeah, I was a little worried at that part. Like when they were running, I was like, oh man, they're gonna just start off with them getting chased down by some white people and something's gonna happen. Like, damn. But it was it was refreshing that's, when that's they were wanted to the show. Yeah, that's what they wanted, you know. They wanted to to show, all right, this is gonna be one of those movies, and then it's like, no, it's not. It's not one of those. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, man. So, you know, I was really, really um it was just really, really great. You see the downfall of Chadwick Boseman's yeah, character, yeah. you know, of Levy of just going from from on top of the world, ambitious, optimistic, all the way down to where he feels like his whole world is is shattered. And, he's and, used. Mm-hmm, and same thing, there's a parallel with Ma Rainey and her being used as well. And her downfall isn't as dramatic as um as Levy's, but it's kind of it was insinuating that once these songs are recorded and once this is out they're not going to need her anymore to do anything else. Yeah. And so she kind of felt that at the end of it, it was over for her too, as she drives back home and continues the rest of her life. So it was, there was just a lot of drama, man. It was great. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was, it really showed even musicians back then. And, you know, like Levy was selling his songs for 50 cents. Bro. You know, and I was like, wow, 50 cents a pop. Dollars, right? Five dollars? It was a I think it was even then. Yeah. Well, think about it. His shoes cost eleven. And he said it took him like half his earnings, or it took yeah. uh because he made a bet with somebody or what yeah, he, uh, he made he with made Cutler. A, yeah, with Cutler. Cutler for he got, like half the money to get mm-hmm. the shoes and he used mm-hmm. the rest well, of them. So yeah, like I mean, just just the way they're being used, I mean just the blues, the way they're being used, you know, the white right. man didn't understand what the blues were. They just knew it was catchy, but it wasn't really about that. It was to to show the emotions that black people felt when they were enslaved. Yeah. And now that they're not enslaved, they, that's the way they can cope and talk about it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and enjoy mm-hmm. each other's company and, you know, yeah. have fun. But uh, I mean, the white people always have to, I mean, back then, white people always had to take what wasn't theirs and, Mm-hmm. Right. Supposedly made it better, but not even yeah. better. Just likable to the white audience in Call a setting, in a setting that related to them, which is getting a white blues band and pretty much getting the songs that Levy wrote and yeah, and translated yeah. into that. And that at the end, it really oh man, that, really was, that was that was that was hard. That was, that was hard, was tragic. man. Yeah, yeah. So you know, with with something like that, it's just so interesting because. Black people have contributed. Um, they they've they've take they've done the the due diligence to know how they feel and been able to translate that into art and then present that to America as our contribution. And blues was able to do that, and jazz was able to do that, and hip hop is able to do that, and rock is able to do that, and all of those things were birthed 
by black people and yeah. the struggles that they were going through to get the opportunity. And like, that's the thing, like it's the opportunity, like these people, even in the film, they couldn't help, but, but work with, with this, with this company, you know, it was paramount that they were working with, like they owned the studio oh, okay. and it was just like, the opportunity of being heard by thousands and thousands of people is something you just can't pass up, but not being paid correctly to do it is just so disheartening. And you really have to have a passion for what you do and, or just a reason for you doing it that goes beyond what you're being paid for. And I think that that translates to all the way to today. You know, because musicians and people who work yeah. on music, whether you're engineers or DJs or producers, are still underpaid for yeah. what they're actually giving right. to society. Pennies. You know what I mean? Pennies on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar with, with Spotify, with streaming. So we're still seeing the same things that record labels were doing back then applied to Black people today without proper ownership, without, you know, proper representation. They're having, you know... These artists are getting killed on the streets. They're they're dying over overdose. And these record companies, whether they're white-led or not, majority are, but they're just over here benefiting yeah. from all of this destruction that's happening within a community. And they aren't helping. They aren't paying them correctly. And I just think it's very, very interesting because we as, as artists are like, we love this thing. You know, yeah. we expect we expect so much out of it. And it's just like, damn, when you get there and you think it's going to happen and it is just regular. Yeah. Oh, you have to do it again yeah. the next day, like like in yeah. Seoul, you know, we'll definitely tap into that more with Seoul because it's crazy it as similar, similar stories, you know, and in, in a sense. Um, at, at a certain point of, a point of the movie, it has similar uh, story to Ma Rainey's uh, entire story. But um, overall, what do you guys give the movie? Rated. Sincere, you want to go? I'm afraid to get mine first. No, um, I give the movie a nine. That's pretty high. Yeah, I, I give it a nine. Um, I don't think it was like a perfect movie, but... It was really well executed from the amount of people used, the space used. Um, Viola Davis killed it. I don't think, well, I think it kind of sparked people talking about Viola Davis from what I was seeing like on Twitter. But um, she killed it. Um, Chadwick, per usual. And then the supporting actors as well. Um, yep. Especially just like the band. You get kind of get those OGs that kind of just like know how to, yeah, you yeah, get those OGs that kind of just know how to, kind of know how to bullshit and it's like to them it's not even acting you just kind of feel like that's that person yeah. so i think everybody did a really good job of putting that their characters together and whatnot so thank you viola that. davis just real quick viola davis knocked that out the park she mm -hmm. did exactly what chadwick did in learning the character how does the character move how does her makeup her look dress. you know the dress like the the she put on she like not she didn't put on weight, but like she wore something that Fabulous. made her, yeah. yeah, that made her look heavier so that she can take up the type of space and command the type of space that right. the character called for. Mm -hmm. She continues to impress me every time. And I feel like that she doesn't necessarily get her just due because a lot of her early movies that they would put her in is like 
movies that revolved around the black plight, you know, so they would just expect black people to act in that way correctly. But then when you take them out of it, because even her in Suicide Squad is Amanda Waller. Like I was going to say Suicide Squad is... Bro, <laughs> classic. That's a classic yeah. performance. Like there isn't anyone that you can get to play Amanda Waller mm-hmm. other than Viola Davis. So right. she just did it again. And I, I hope that next year um, she really gets her due. Yeah, we'll see. What do you give it though? The movie? I give the movie... I give the movie, honestly, like like an 8.5 like a like a super solid 8.5 in all of its reality because i just loved how there was just so much dialogue that they had to memorize right mm-hmm. and there was so much blocking the movements that they had to know where they went around oh i'm going to go around this bench before i deliver this line oh i'm going to slam this locker room before the before this line or i'm going to do this here or i'm going to put you up against the wall and then i'm going to flip to the other side and yeah. like those kinds of things are so important to me to like really make us feel like that we're there you know what? I actually i give it a 9 i give it a 9 mm, it's uh, a solid 9 all all the way because movies like that um, you have to pay attention to the acting. Mm-hmm. It's no camera tricks. It's no special effects. Yeah, no, no there CGI. Was there was none of that in that movie. This nah, movie. No, it's just no straight action. acting. Nope, it's just straight drama. And- straight drama, right. straight acting, and yeah, and I you gotta you, you gotta love that. Yeah, yeah, because I like how you I like how you said the amount of dialogue that I remember because the movie's only an hour and a half. But so much happens in yeah. the hour and a half. Like so, there's no stopping points. Yeah, it's all dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, it takes you on a ride from the jump and you you're just you're just along for it. You yeah. don't know where it's gonna end up. Yeah. What about you, Skywalker? <clears throat> well, I give it an eight. I did I did enjoy it a lot. Um uh, I was looking forward to this movie um uh, when I heard about it the the first time and um even it being Chadwick's last film, he really did a, a great job. Um and he was able to work with you know, one of his mentors, Denzel Washington, you know, so, you know, that's, that's huge. You know, one of the guys that pretty much paid for him, his program when he was going to school. So, you know, that it, it just came full circle and, you know, just beautiful. Just, just it's beautiful. Really he, he was, he was on this earth to act, man. Yeah, he was. he was on this earth to act and he did every thing intentionally. <laughs> He did everything great. He did. He did like he did everything that you would want as for an actor, and even for the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, one hundred percent. He played James Brown. He played. He played um, T'Challa. He played uh, Jackie Robinson. Thurgood Marshall. There's so many. He played a cop. (laughs) He played a a world uh, of uh, Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like. Yeah, you can't ask for any more, and he he did well, and it was a really good send off. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more, but yeah, no, he, I know, man. He embodied his accents really well. I think that's one of the things I lo- I love about the movie too is that his accent as Levy was really spot on mm-hmm. for that era and for the for the person he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the last thing that we'll probably get from him is uh, what if next yeah. year. The animated. Yeah, the animated, which is the last thing that you'd want from an actor. Like mm-hmm. you did a blockbuster, right. you've done your action movies, you've done your drama. The only thing that's really missing is like 
him in like a romantic comedy or something like that. But, you know, it is what it is. We we got like everything that we would want out of this actor. And, yeah. you know, just rest in peace, yeah. Chadwick Boseman, man. Looking Great forward to those what ifs. Those are going to oh, be fun. But, yeah, so. we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, so um, that was Shifting years. We're going yes. to. You guys want to get into soul since we're kind of already on that. Yeah, let's just, yeah, yeah, yeah man, let's just let's just segue yeah. into it. All this black greatness, I love it. Yeah, yeah, was, <laughs> excellent. From, from the jump, the just the intro of the movie, they're playing the the Disney theme. Yes, uh, the middle school band. I was like, <laughs> what is this? I thought it was a glitch. I thought my I thought my like streaming was glitching. I was like, why mm-hmm. is it so glitchy? And then you just hear Jamie Foxx's voice, like, stay on rhythm, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's already starting. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I love that part, too. And I feel like it could have gone either way. Like, you could have either played, like, a super jazzy, awesome rendition of it, which <laughs> right. I kind of thought was going to happen. But then for them to go into, like, the trash middle school, like, band and, like, we've... I don't know about you guys, but I was in band, no, like, early, but... I didn't stay in band. It was like one of those things where, you know, in fourth grade, you had to pick up an instrument and I picked up the saxophone. <laughs> I but picked up the saxophone. saxophone. Wow. Yeah, man. I picked up the saxophone and it was, it was, I had so much fun, but I had no discipline at that time. So I didn't keep up with it, yeah, lugging the saxophone around. I didn't necessarily, like I practiced a few times at home. And like I broke reeds and had to get different reeds and everything. And like I, I just rem- I did have fun and I regret it to this day because I wish I would have stayed with it because I feel like it would have made me an even better musician. Yeah. Um probably. But but it was just uh, hey man. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just learning instrument <laughs> changes the dynamic of everything. Yeah, well, I would have understood music theory a mm. lot sooner than me going to college to to understand music theory you know right. i would have had it kind of ingrained in me in sure. high in middle school and high school and and have different rhythms but um i just thought it was great it just reminded me of school and i was like oh yeah like i've been in that class <laughs> <laughs> oh that's me i, I did that i did that yep. his comedy um he goes out into the hallway to get his full-time check or whatever you're terrible and he's like oh thanks i needed a break from that and the kid comes out he's like hey he's like ah not you you're great you're great he's He's not he's terrible and you know what that nuance is so funny because and i feel like jamie fox not only is very jamie fox but like it's very like black kid like a black child (laughs) would turn around and say hey like that like because I feel like any other child would just like just absorb it. it. Yeah, just take <laughs> it and like keep walking. But like the black child turned around with his mm-hmm. with his twist in his hair was just like, hey, like fam, what are you what are you doing? Why are you gonna diss me like that? That's but it, it's just great, like just that dynamic. And um I love that the principal um, you know, what was was Hispanic as well. And it just made like this, it just made it very real for, yeah. for me. Most definitely. Yeah, I I definitely overall the movie I didn't think it was gonna move as fast as it did off the beginning. The, throughout it didn't move fast; it slowed down. But I didn't know he was like uh, I guess spoiler alert if you guys don't want to hear if you guys haven't seen the movie and don't want to hear this part, you know, just skip. I'd say like thirty minutes. But um, oh dang, <laughs> not not I, I that know. much. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> 
If not, just find find a place where we're talking about the next. You should have seen it already. It's great. It's all over. Yeah, the you should. Yeah, you have no it's reason really to see it. It's all over the place. It's on he you. pretty much dies off the bat, and I'm yeah. I'm just like, oh wow, like he didn't even get to do what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and right. I, the whole time I was like, is he gonna be in this astral plane? And that's the thing too. Like it wasn't like heaven or hell. Because yeah, he even asked when he got to where he was going, he's like, "Is this heaven?" And they're like, "No," and they're like, "Is this he double hockey sticks?" And then all the little personalities started saying "hell." I was hell, like, "Oh my hell, god!" Hell. I was like, "Did they really just say that in a Pixar movie?" It was great. It, was it great. almost didn't even feel like a kids movie. No, no it's far it, from a kids movie. Yeah, because. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an adult movie. It's it's a growth movie. It's like wherever you are in your growth, you can relate to what's going on in that movie. Yeah. I think it's because they're realizing that their audience is like, I mean, we grew up on Pixar. So now that like we're at a certain age, we it's kind of like a movie we need as far as like the things they were talking about. But also it, it is super um, digestible for younger kids. You yeah, know I mean? for kids too. Yeah, it's, it's very fun. There's a lot of cool little um scenes i mean jamie fox eventually becomes a cat and i'm pretty sure kids love that you know so yeah yeah one of the one of the things and I, and I believe that i've said it on the pod before is that i was really really worried that the first time that we get a black led disney and pixar movie they were one they kill him and then two mm-hmm. we would see him as this green blob the entire time and it's like, well, what was the point of making him black in the first place? Like, where's that representation? So I was really, really scared of where this movie was going to go. And then when they killed him so fast, because they already showed that in the, in in the, the, trailer, in the trailer, yeah, you know, but when they killed him so fast, I was like, oh, man, OK, here we go. But then <laughs> him getting back into his body and the body switch <laughs> that ended up happening yeah. the I way thought, he got into his back into his body or the way they switched yeah when they went back to earth that was cool yes absolutely and what really i love cool. about about pixar is they're like four for four in their cerebral movies like mm-hmm. when they're talking about things that deal with the mind or deal with like our thoughts or our imagination they kill it because inside out was great as far as how they interpreted how our mind that. thinks Oh, bro, you you got it. You got it. It's great. It's, no one looks like it's a kid's movie, like for real. Like, yeah, it no is. Exactly but, the one that told me to watch that. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like the science of how they like, m- like interpreted what our memory is like, what our emotions are like, are just it's really really good. Hmm, and right. I put I put Coco in that category as well as being that kind of cerebral, like how do we, how do we feel about death? And they picked the perfect culture to illustrate that. And Mm. them saying, you know, people don't really die unless you forget them, you know, like remembering them keeps people alive and all this kind of stuff. Like that story is great. And then you just hit them with soul where they, they establish like where do, how do people become who they become is this something that you're born to do or is yeah or is living life you know like the the purpose Mm -hmm. you know and they do it in such a way where it doesn't necessarily go into like too many religious tones it just like adds like a nice like oh wow i can see this being the case like all of us being souls 
from the very, very beginning and going through what we go through. Like, I loved how she was like, you guys are going to be self-absorbed. Yep, you guys are going to be optimistic. Yeah, yeah, like it was crazy. Stop putting so many people through that. Yeah, he's like, maybe we got to stop doing that. Yeah, that that was so comedy. I was like, oh gosh, if this happens. (laughs) It was great. And that's that's what Pixar does well when it comes to the Cerebral movies is like, is this how it actually happens? Yeah. You know, and like I, I just commend them on on taking on this because this could have easily went to like a really, really religious place. Yeah. And I think and a lot of people were surprised that it yeah. didn't given that he died. And mm-hmm. you know, I I think people assume the great beyond was heaven. Um, which I don't I don't think I don't. We just I don't, don't know. know. Like it's just the great know. beyond, yeah. and and they right. crackled, you know, and they but became I, light. Yeah, who so. knows what's on the other side? Who, That's, yeah, they I, don't think, know. I think Pixar's always done a good job of that, though, because they're they're great at what's the word? Um, like using cultures proper, right? But not crossing that line of religion, because Disney's worldwide. You know what I mean? And there's so many yeah. different people, so many different religions, so many different things people believe in. So yeah. they, they've always done a really good job of separating that but embracing the culture and doing it justice well it's also a it, because even with the religions that that are there and you know people should be able to believe in what they believe however right. there are certain truths that are attached to everything yes. that is universal so like we know like what a soul is and what a spirit is even if you don't believe in it being a physical thing mm-hmm. you understand the the elements of like when you're when you on the inside are receiving something you know or when you're feeling something and most people attribute that to your spirit or your soul whether they have a religious background or not you know they may not know who it worships or where it goes after or where it goes before or if the things that we do on earth affect that but it existing in the first place is something that I think majority of human beings understand. And for them to kind of dive into that part of it and saying the way that we're going to attribute it is to your spark, to your passion, to the thing that you like, just that brings you life, that makes life worth living is, Mm -hmm. is I think brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely bringing in the character of 22. Um, I didn't know Tina Fey. Tina, is Tina yeah, Faye, shout out Tina Fey, man. I didn't know yeah. she was in the movie. You know, there's a lot of people that were in the movie that I didn't. Absolutely. I didn't look at the cast before. I didn't I didn't really even look at a trailer other than the one where he falls into the hole and becomes mm-hmm. a little blue blob. Mm-hmm. But um, she really, like, showed what a lost soul is. Yes. You know, like, there's a lot of people like that that don't know what their purpose is. And yeah. they go through life trying all these things, hoping that all right, maybe this will be it or, mm-hmm. well, that wasn't it. Maybe I'll try this. Well, that wasn't it. You know, mm-hmm. you really, you really don't know what your spark is, but what you really, the, your spark and how you're going to find out is just by living life. And yeah, throughout having, the movie, having the will to live. Yeah. And, and throughout the movie, 22 realized that, that I, it's not about, you know, trying to find the spark. It's about just living and it'll come, you know, and mm-hmm. just living in general is what the spark is. You know, and I, yeah. she was she she was afraid of that. She talked about that when she was on the astral plane. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that yeah. was really cool. And then also, uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Joe Gardner, pretty much being her mentor after mm-hmm. 
Gandhi, uh, <laughs> Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it was hilarious. Muhammad Ali. I was like, wow. I really, I really thought her spark was going to be food, only because she was eating so much throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was I like, mean, watch it. it. I, I, I was like, it'd be dope if he like came full circle where he was like, Joe's a little bit older, and then he goes to, like a restaurant, and then she's like the head chef or something there. Part but, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they made it so that there could be a part two. Yeah, it's possible. Um, you know, of like, or you know what? This might actually be like a really cool way that Pixar can do a sequel without even making it the same type of movie. So, like, if they do a sequel with Twenty Two as a person who's who's mm-hmm. now on Earth, and then do a different type of movie, but like it's voiced by Tina Fey, she's living in New York, and it's just a different movie that doesn't necessarily have to do with soul, like with well, people dying. That'd be crazy. My theory is actually something is like going on in the astral plane or something, and she has to like pretty much go back. And well, she goes back to help them and stuff like that, you know, because mm-hmm. there's ways for them to go back even if they don't die with the guy. Yeah, um, when they're in the zone, uh, moon, uh, moon wind, moon wind. He, yeah. was able, he was able to go back, you know, whenever he wanted. All he had to do was tap into it, which I thought I thought was pretty cool because it also uh, allowed the people who believe in spiritualism and you know, kind of like hypnotizing yourself and meditation to Mm -hmm. feel seen, you know, where like it was cool because you like the people that were on his crew were like all these types of like monks or, you know, (laughs) spiritual healers. And he's just like, oh, I'm just a dude who's a sign twirler. But like I get into sign twirling so much. I hypnotize myself so much that I can break into this zone, into this plane. And and Joe, Joe Gardner, yeah, and Joe was able to do that, yeah. And, the piano, that was nice. And I don't know about y'all, but have you got like I've I've performed where it's where I've been in the zone, you know. I've I've oh, yeah. played games where I've been in the zone. Like, I've done that just, with DJing. Like I just get in the zone, you know, mm-hmm. and then I look up and everybody's like having a good time. I'm like I was just chilling. yeah, I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, I, wasn't I wasn't here for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like when I when I told you guys I met John Bellion, like, like I don't remember that happening, but it's because I like blacked out while doing everything like right. You know what I mean? So I get I get you. It's very it's very real. You're just yeah. going out. You just a, you're into it. You're literally in it and mm-hmm. you're a part of it and it's around mm-hmm. you, you know. So mm-hmm. at all and I, points, so. I love how it just isn't just about music. You know, they touched on that in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's like all these different things like that people are in the zone for, whether it's just sports or art or building or, you know, speaking or every everything that involves a passion. And and like when she hit a girl who was who was reciting her lines and like hit her with like distracted her, basically, like we get distracted out of a zone mm-hmm. and we're like, wait, what was going on? Or like, oh, I forgot this immediately. And to uh, think about that is, is just pretty, pretty interesting to have people interfere with your zone and for them to kind of touch on that. And they shitted on the Knicks, man. <laughs> it was so sad. Mm-hmm. It was so sad when they did that. I was like, yo, why? Why would you guys do this? I'm not a Knicks fan. Lakers, Laker gang all day. But I've been with this team the last decade. <laughs> 
yeah. I wonder if they signed off on that, man. Like, it, it, can you imagine you're just part of the you're part of the Knicks team, Knicks management. You're just watching Soul with your family Christmas Day, and they oh, just God. shit on your team. One time. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm oh, messing with the well, uh, What's that director that? Oh, um, he owns a part of the Knicks. I, I don't know why uh, I just blanked out. Uh, that owns uh, part of the Knicks. Yeah, uh, he did. The oh, who's just? A, oh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah, he owns yeah. part of the Knicks. Does yeah, he? he probably? Yeah, he. Yeah, he does. Oh, he probably. <laughs> he probably. Uh, probably saw the movie and was like, "What the hell is?" Yeah, this? he was probably. He's probably mad about that. He's probably mad about trashing my. <laughs> and fun fact: that was Doris Burke, who actually said. Um, like that line as the announcer when the Knicks went. Oh. When he yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. So it's cool to get like real <laughs> NBA personality. Doris, she's she's yeah, awesome. She's awesome. She's Doris is awesome. knowledgeable. She's really. I, I love her in football too. She's really good football mm-hmm. commentator. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, no, that's cool. They got people. I mean, they got Questlove to be Curly. You know, uh, sick. And he was playing the drums. That's perfect. You know. Yep. So, he was a and, drummer. Yeah. And it I mean. Was, Angela Bassett, I'm not sure if she's that musically inclined, most most likely, but yeah, she played Dorothea. Mm-hmm. Um, and she else? was able to give that story, that that motherly story about yeah. the fish, and and yeah. I just feel like that that goes back to my rainy, bro. Yes, that was that was the connection for me because yeah. not only that, but also what Ray Gardner's uh, or what Joe Gardner's father, Ray Gardner, mm-hmm. said about saying you need to listen to this. This is Black people's contribution to American society. This is jazz. And when he was able to see it, he was just, he developed this passion for it mm-hmm. and saw the way he was able to, to describe how jazz music and jazz musicians bring to life the music. And that was just amazing. And then to hear Dorothea give uh, a parable or metaphor about life of saying, you know, this fish wants to see the ocean. And an older fish is like, you're in it. Like, it's just water. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times with us as as musicians and, and people who are coming up and, and doing these shows, we get this big show and we're like, oh, man, this is it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I quit my job one. for this. Like, yeah. I'm doing this. This is the one. And you do the show and it goes fantastic. Great. Yeah. You're yeah. like, yo, this is amazing. And then after you realize... There's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not, not there yet. You want not the, you want the ocean, mm-hmm. but you're in it. You know, yeah. you're, you're in it. You're it, it might not be what you wanted, but you're in it, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's what matters. I mean, as long as you're swimming, as long as you're afloat, you 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 keep going, you know, eventually maybe you might, you know, you might hit the Great Barrier Reef, but right now you just you, you, you got to keep swimming. Yeah, you got to keep yeah. swimming. In the, in the words of uh, of Dory, Dory, just keep swimming. Back to Pixar. Yeah. How yeah. Do you, uh, what do you guys give the movie? What do you give the movie? Because I heard that you weren't as hired. Yeah, man. It's um. I'm I'm gonna rewatch it again because maybe I just didn't feel as attached to it like I do normally, and it's I could have had like higher expectations. But um, I'm as of right now, I'm giving it like a seven point five. I give this one a nine. What I really like, I mean, I know a lot of people, like you said, people said it's top three, people said it's top five. I, I, I'm not really with the list. Everybody has their own list. But I really love Pixar movies 
when there's humans in the movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I liked Onward. I mean, I know there weren't humans, but they were human-like. I like mm-hmm. Big Hero 6. That one's right. one of my favorite ones. Coco that's, that's is not, cool. Big Hero 6 isn't a it's, Pixar movie. No, it's just a it's, Disney it's movie. Disney, but, but yeah. It feels Pixar-esque. Yeah, like, they, it's the same same people that brought Frozen, okay. you know, that kind of thing. Frozen's so not Pixar? No. Oh, so what know. Disney did... At, like for a little while is they started making Disney movies that were just like Pixar movies, like, but it wasn't the same team. It was like a Disney mm-hmm. animation team, but they used yeah. the technology of Pixar. But oh, okay. I'm with you though. I'm, okay. I'm yeah, with you. I, I definitely, just in general, the ones that are, that have humans in it. I mean, I like Toy Story and Monsters mm-hmm. Inc. And, mm-hmm. and Finding Nemo and all those movies. But, you know, just something about that human aspect is really cool. And then even just with Soul, being like on the astral plane and they have Jerry, all the Jerry's and then they have Terry yeah. with the count. Yeah. Um, uh, Terry was like one of them. He wasn't one of my favorite characters, but I, I, I grew to love him just because of how dedicated he was for the count. You the, know. Focus, the, the focus, the focus that Terry had was crazy. Going through all those filing cabinets. He was like, ma- he was like, maybe I will. Maybe yeah. I will find this out. There's a, it's lot of, there's a lot of Garcias in here. It's coming when he figures it out and he goes up to the Jerry's. He's like, they're like, oh, hi, Terry. He's like, don't play dumb with me. <laughs> I know what's going like, on. And here's like, the award that you requested. Yeah. I even oh, love award. I love the design, the simplistic design of the Jerry's. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's them kind of looking, yeah, exactly. Very Picasso-esque and abstract. And I was just like, man, that's that's just... That's brilliant because it's not human-esque because if you would have made them human, then it kind of like, I don't know, it makes it feel like, oh, all humans are superior, but like yeah. they're just life forms and things and entities that are a little bit different. But yeah. we understand where we pull them from, like where the important things are pulled from. And I just thought it was really, really dope. One of the best scenes, man, was the barbershop scene. I, was I don't know if you guys really, fun. really understand the no, way I've that- been in barbershops. Yeah, it's just the the barbershop and that therapy, especially for the black community, is one of the early jobs mm-hmm. where black people had ownership. You know, like when when we were able to work and to have our own jobs, like being a barber was something that guaranteed business because black people always needed a cut, always wanted to look fresh and always wanted to look good. And black people owned it. You know, and and the structure, they couldn't take it. And and it was one of the structures in place, like, because the way that a barbershop works, I don't know if you know, but barbers own their own booths within the barbershop. You know, they pay for the booth that's in the barbershop. So just that is a time for Black people to be able to be themselves and to have these conversations and to and a, and a barber is more than someone who just cuts your hair like they're they're a, th- a therapist at that time yeah, you know that are. is when you can have those conversations i always talk to my barber when i go get my hair cut always always we're talking about all kinds of stuff my barber knows a lot about me and a lot of the reasons why i make decisions and things like yeah. that and like they're in the black community you, it's rare to find somebody who has multiple barbers like they usually have one or they've had two in their oh, entire yeah. life. <laughs> and it's like, I'm only going to you for as long as you're cutting hair. Yeah, and yeah. like, it's, it's sad if you move or if you like, like 
finding a barber in if for a black easy. for a black person is like that's not like easy. a whole yeah. other thing, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, like no, a whole other black, thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I love that. <laughs> the because like you said everybody has their barber and it's like i'm only getting my haircut for you in the barber shop when joe walks in and he takes the hat off he's like oh damn this is an emergency you you going to the front of the yeah, line bro you gotta wait you gotta wait and then he's like i've been here the whole time he's like well uh his chair is open and the guy's like yeah come over here and he's like yeah i'll wait <laughs> yep yeah because there's always a guy who has it yeah i've been there too man the guy who has his chair open and i'm like "Mm, it's funny that's how i met my barber his chair was always open and i was in a rush that day so i was like you know what just come out here like and then after that i was like you know what you come out here all the time now so i've been on him for like 10 years so yeah i've been barber like four four (laughs) or five years Yeah. yeah yeah man it's it's crazy like prior to the to the barber that i have now prior to me growing out my dreads um, which, you know, I don't go to barber as often as I used to, but I had a barber for close to 15 years, you know, like, like that a long time that I went to him. And then when I moved, um, I found a homie who was like more my age, who was a barber. And we like, I've traveled with my barber before. Like we went to Miami to go party. Like it, it was, uh, yeah. you know, we have that kind of relationship. That's cool. So, yeah. So it's super dope. And I've yeah. told him, like, yo, if the music pops off and we're touring and stuff, like, and you want to cut hair, like, come with me on tour, bro. And we're, we're going to run yeah. that. I'm like, right. I'll pay you appropriately tour barber money, you know, to get this thing done. So it's just that kind of connection. And it was so special for them to highlight that in Pixar and to have um, Joe and to have his barber say, like, you know, you never asked about me. You yeah. know, like, it's something that. Well, it wasn't Joe who asked. It was 22. Or 22 who asked, like, you've never asked about me. And that's something that we forget in getting services provided by people. Like, we just go to them for the service. But part of living life is understanding how people are are in that in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. and, and why they do it. And you will most likely always get an interesting story when you speak to a specialist or yeah. somebody who really, really loves to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a good movie. Really enjoyed. Did you? Did you? Would Would you give it ten, bro? 10. That's a ten. That's a ten right there. Execution. Uh, you know, just all all of it was really really dope. And and I'm kind of with you on on the on the fact that like they use animals a little bit too much mm-hmm. in toys. the sense or or, or toys. <laughs> well, like mostly animals, you know, because I think the next Pixar movie is like they have a pig. That's going to be a part of like the movie, you know, so it might be like a talking pig. I think it takes place in in this movie, too. Yeah, Like it takes place, I think, in Italy. And, you know, there's a lot of pigs in Italy. So it's like they're going to do like an Italian kind of movie. But Pixar kills it with these cultured movies, man. They're just getting the representation. Yes. Yes. So so. I'm I'm excited to see a lot more. Me too. Especially with the Disney Plus platform. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, and I need shows. More. I need a Pixar show. Like, yeah, I don't want a movie. Cool. I I need a show. Give me eight episodes of something that is just fire. That'd be cool. They could do it. I know they could do it. They just I don't know what they're waiting on. I believe but, in you. But um, one you more movie. movie wasn't a ten. It wasn't a ten. <laughs> it was yeah. an eighty-four, bro. Uh, on a scale to a thousand, I agree. <laughs> I feel like people are giving it too much flack. Like, 
Uh, so the movie we're talking about is Wonder Woman 84. And um, I guess I'll start it off. I, I, Kick us I, off, man. I, I did enjoy it. You know, it was a movie that, you know, came out during the holidays, obviously sold it to. Not a lot of movies came out this year. So seeing a blockbuster in general was was exciting to me. You know, um, there was a lot of flaws in the movie. But off top, I didn't even like even before this movie came out, I didn't expect too much from it. I've seen Aquaman. I've seen Justice League. I've seen Shazam. And all those movies are not the best. Even the first Wonder Woman, probably like the best DC movie. But even then, it's not amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I already I didn't expect too much from it. So just watching it, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. just, just going to go for the ride. And and it was it was obviously it didn't live up to everybody's expectations. But because I feel like it kept getting delayed and people wanted it for so long that when they finally got it. It wasn't what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, and on top of that, they had to watch it at home, you know, and a lot of people don't have the same attention span, especially if the movie is not capturing you right away. They're probably going to walk away, pause it, go to the movie, go, go to the bathroom. You know, it's it's definitely a different dynamic. And I feel like that even for all the movies that just came out, Ma Rainey, Soul, I feel like those movies in theaters would have hit even more than they did. But obviously they already had the pretty much they had the pool like soul and Mulraney had the pool to keep you there in your seat mm-hmm. but wonder woman just couldn't keep people in their seat but for me i went to go see it at the drive-in mm-hmm. so i wasn't at home i couldn't pause it and then i'll watch it later type thing i mm-hmm. had to watch because i paid for it but yeah I, I really enjoyed it at the drive-in you know it was fun i had i, I took tamales mm-hmm. i took some snacks um nice some drinks and it was fun. You know, I made a little bed in the back of my car and lay down and watched the movie. And I really, really enjoyed watching Wonder Woman. Um, so you uh, had the whole setup, the whole setup helped, yeah. helped yeah. bring the experience a little yeah. bit more alive for you. The, the, um, the person I went with also said that she didn't enjoy it as much. Ooh, she you went on a date. She she didn't. Why did you sit in the back seat, bro? I mean, it was Christmas. Do you guys don't go on dates on Christmas? No, I'm with my no, family. I Scott like, yeah, <laughs> I've gone on dates with my family to the movies. I I went to go see uh, the Force. Look, I'm trying, he's, he's trying to switch it right now. He was he was on a date date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was no, good. it was very it was very interesting. I, I love the movie. Um, in in that setting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I did want to watch it again at home to see if I missed anything or anything, but already oh, you, oh, you I, missed. <laughs> you missed quite a bit, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a part I actually did fall asleep for a little bit because I was laying down. Dang. Yeah, see, mm. you falling asleep. Was, that's that's a telltale Michael, sign. Michael, he was an astral plane, bro. He was. He was. He was. He was, was already. It was already the ending bro. of the movie, so. Yeah, his his soul was being affected while he was watching Wonder Woman. I, I get it. I get it. It's all right. He's a wonderful woman. No, <laughs> but, uh, but um, go sorry. Well, go ahead, Mike. What, what, one thing that I do want to say before I finish is, uh, one of the things that I really really liked about the movie was Pedro Pascal, and also yes. the little bit of development that they gave Wonder Woman. You know, she she was a little bit more vulnerable than most movies. You know, Wonder Woman's supposed to be like this super badass character that, you know, like. Nothing can phase her. And, you know, this one wish that she made pretty much was affecting her so much. And she couldn't let go. And 
You know, like I, I, I like that about her that they gave her a weak spot that she wasn't just OP. You know, like how she was in Wonder Woman one. So that was my take on it, and I, I want to hear and, you guys' take on it. <laughs> and what, what would you rate it? Off top, I would rate it like a six. Because mm. okay. one thing too is it's not a super badass war movie like the first one was. The first one took place in World War One. There was action all over the place. She was beating everybody's ass. She mm-hmm. she fought this crazy villain that was super OP too. And you know, the second one was a cheesy eighties movie. Mm. So it's so to, so totally different time frame, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't really like cheesy eighty films. You know, it started off in the mall, and and you know, it's, it's all the cheesy clothing, uh, like all these cheesy jokes. Keep going, keep going. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of cheese. Uh, there's, yeah, there's and, a lot of cheese. And I think that was one of the things that really made the movie bad is that they chose to do it in the eighties. So 100%. That was going to be my point exactly is that they focused on the 80s as if we've never seen the 80s before. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that to me was just like, fam, the 80s wasn't too long ago. Yeah. Like, we don't need this entire, yeah, we, we don't need <laughs> this entire thing. And even within like the time frame of the DC universe, because the most recent technically of the DC universe is like, it's like 2017 or -hmm. something like that, you know? So they haven't gone farther than that. And because they haven't, the eighties is even sooner. And I'm just like, I blame Marvel for why, why do you blame Marvel? Because of gardens of the galaxy and Thor Ragnarok. They wanted to go for that. DC was like, we can do that. But more eighties. No, that was such a bad decision to to focus so much on the eighties. I didn't Mm. care about anyone's discovery of what the eighties were like because we already knew the (laughs) eighties. So I think that that was a huge misstep on the film to focus more on the eighties. The the problem with the movie for me is they focused so much of the movie time, the runtime, on things that didn't matter. Right. And then the things that did matter, they focus maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie on each of those things that matter. For example, her all of a sudden having this invisible ability to create, you know, this this force field around things from her hands. That was a cool little nod, though, the invisible mobile. I agree that that, that having the invisible plane is a great is a great nod. I had it forgot just, about that. And then when they brought it in, I was like, oh, she doesn't have an invisible car. I thought that, I thought that that was a great nod. And I yeah. thought that because of the time that it was taking place, that would be one of the things that they would highlight in the film. However, the way that they did it was super cheesy and super just like, she doesn't need to do it anymore because she just learned how to fly. So like, why'd you even focus on the time of her having a jet when that yeah. should have been her way of transportation going into the future? But now she already knew how to fly. So like, there was no point in even showing us that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I feel like that the focus on Cheetah's development, though was cool. I, I never, think I knew that was going to be a disaster from the start. Yeah. 
I mean, it it just I I love Kristen Wiig and how she played her. Um, I think that that her making a wish to be Diana is a great way of them not using science to enhance her. She um, didn't know the wish was going to happen anyway. She was just joking around. Yeah, know? she was just joking, but like, well, she was just sincere. Mm-hmm. Hey, sincere. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was just sincere, but. I wish this movie was never made. I wish that they never went into this time frame. I wish that they didn't focus on Pedro Pascal's character. The dialogue was atrocious. For Pedro? I was like, yeah, for, for, for them all. For them all. <laughs> like the, the conversations that were being had were ridiculous. And I don't understand if, it, if they were just trying to make it all 80s. But like, it didn't make sense to me. And then even with with her making a wish to have um, Steve back. Like, so... That's what I wanted to know. Like, seeing the trailer, I was like, how did Steve come back? Like, I wanted to know the time. And then when I found out how, I was like, oh. And like, that, that's okay. But the thing is, is that they had him come back inhabiting somebody else. So (laughs) does every... That's super creepy. And I'm just like, wait, so is everyone seeing... Steve, or is it only she's seeing Steve and it's some other guy that that they're seeing her with? I think and, she only sees him. But here's my here's my thing for that. Steve couldn't even see himself. But check this out. If if other people are making wishes to bring their loved ones and family back, who are their family inhabiting that looks like that's gonna be somebody else? And uh-huh. where are those people at? You know, so like, what if, what if you were just like, just say it was, is like your girlfriend or your mom or someone like that. And then someone comes in and it's like, no, you're, you're the person that I wish back. And like, does your mom go with that person or does your mom stay your mom with you? You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just didn't make sense because you didn't actually manifest an additional body. You had someone take over someone else's body or someone else's image. Well, the wishes weren't just like, happen to be single. It, it doesn't just appear from thin air. It does and it doesn't. You know, it doesn't just appear in front of you, but it eventually happens. Like the first guy, when, he, when they heard like, oh, it's a wishing stone. And he's like, I wish I had a cup of coffee. And the guy's like, yeah, I have an extra cup of coffee. Does anyone want one? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, what are the odds of that? But it was kind of like that. You know, it's, it's going to happen more realistically than just appearing from thin air. Um, I think I would have had more of a problem with it like that. But- no, nah, I think if it happened out of thin air, they wouldn't run into this paradox of like, wait a minute. So if I wish for somebody, is 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 it going to take the place of my brother? Is it going to take the place of my friend? Is it going to take the place of like someone well, else that I don't know who's someone else's friend? But the, but the wish alone had consequences. You know, you wish for something, you're going to lose something. I, so I like, get that. I get that. But it so seemed like, hey, I wish for my boyfriend back. And it's like, all right, well, you wish for your boyfriend back. We're taking your brother. Well, yeah. But on top of that, does that mean that your brother now becomes your boyfriend or who's like, if you wish your boyfriend back, who's going to inhabit like who is your boyfriend going to inhabit that you are now utilizing to fulfill your wish? That's taking someone else away. Yeah. I think your brother's gone and your boyfriend is now your brother. That's crazy i think that's, that's crazy because that's what it seemed like you know that's yeah. what it seemed like to me because in the movie when he looks in the mirror he can only see the other guy and he doesn't see himself but he knows that it's him and diana knows it's him because she could see him and hear him yeah you know? but it just so it, happened that that it, guy was single what if he had a wife yeah well then that then 
then what happens? Then her wife is fucked. I mean, his wife is fucked. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's just the reality of the wish. I'm not saying it was amazing. I didn't like the whole wish concept. I didn't know what the, that this movie was going to be. I don't know too much about DC like that to, to really dive into it. And that's like, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? This is just a superhero movie. I'm going to enjoy it. Because what what is this prequel leading up to? It was really a filler movie. And I knew that from the jump. There was nothing that it was going to lead into. It wasn't going to lead into Justice League, you know? It wasn't going to lead into Flash. They had the opportunity for it too. And they chose not to. Because that's the problem with DC right now is we don't know in the timeline where things are really taking place. I think you know? the movie was already written and planned before they decided to do the whole multiverse thing. And now they're just like, you know, let's just keep rolling with the punches. Let's let's flesh out what we have in the bag and, and you know, go forward. Not saying that, you know, that's a good excuse to make it like, oh, this movie was, was good enough. It, it was okay, you know. What, go- what this movie proved to me is that DC isn't for me. Like, it just, the, the problem is, is that, DC's character. <laughs> I mean, I I feel you, but like the the DC characters, you can't humanize them because they're gods. They, they're, they're gods. They're they thing. They they operate under different circumstances, and if Superman, you try and humanize okay. them, yeah, you man. take away from what Pretty makes man, them man. who they are. You know what I mean? They need to do the reverse of of what Marvel's doing, where it's like like. Clark Kent, he's Superman, but he tries to be Clark Kent. Batman technically is Batman, but he tries to be Bruce Wayne. You know, all these different things. But you know how good of a writer and execution person you need to be in order to really tell that story? DC just doesn't have it. And I thought that with the Wonder Woman franchise, they would have been able to redeem themselves because of the first one. Oh, yes, I did. I thought very wrong. And there's nothing that they can do. So, like, I'm not really looking forward to anything that's revolved around the Snyder universe other than Zack Snyder's Justice League just to see how that plays out. And I but, still don't expect too much from that. But. but they need to throw they need to throw the whole thing away. They need to throw everything that's been done for DC away because yeah, it is it doesn't equal anything. And every movie ends up letting you down. You know, and this one, it just didn't make sense, especially when he started broadcasting everywhere. I was like, so what it's kind of villains, what kind people. of villains and, and humans are around? Like, what kind of villains and superheroes that are around that are also getting this wish right now? Like, is Lex Luthor looking at this and making a wish? Like, is Joker looking at this and making a wish? Are they alive right now? In the 80s. Is Superman is... And so <laughs> when you have something that's that destructive and that crazy, and this is the problem that happened with... Uh, with even a Marvel movie with Age of Ultron. Well, they talked about the wishes that the that stone ruined civilizations. They would make a wish, and then tw- within 20 years, that civilization was no more, you know? No, I, I feel that. But it just seems like that the consequences of what happened in that movie should permeate for the rest of, and maybe not the rest, but for a long time. And that was kind of the thing with Age of Ultron, is that you had Ultron, and he, like, went into the internet and had access to codes and had access to all these things, right? But the gravity of certain situations, you have to make that make sense. And in Age of Ultron, they didn't really make that make sense because the gravity of what he was doing was like so catastrophic that it's like, that would 
that would go a lot more. You know what I mean? But with uh, with this movie and wishes being made to the entire <laughs> to the entire U.S. in all these different languages, it just um, it it didn't really work. It it didn't really it didn't really work. Yeah. And I think that when you have something that that's that dramatic, you can't just not acknowledge that. That's why Endgame and Infinity War is so amazing because snapping the half half of the world would cause certain consequences. Yeah. So I say all that to say that this yeah. movie gets a three, a three from me. It is a three out of ten. Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot is, you know, she's beautiful. I think that she's a great Wonder Woman, but I think that they did her no justice. Um, they, ah, it was, the pun. It was it was trash. It was trash. Didn't like it. Yeah. What about you, Sincere? What do you give it? No, I give it like a. I give it like. I give it like a four or five. Lean more towards like a four. I I didn't really enjoy it. Krista Wig kind of ruined the movie for me as well. Um, I expected a like stronger performance from what I was like reading and different things like that. But I didn't. I don't like very, it at all. It, it just I felt really like an like SNL skit. It just it just felt like an SNL skit. Yeah, I just don't, I don't like her character at all for or even the actor for that character. But you know what do I know? I don't know anything about DC. So I mean, when she turned when she turned into Cheetah. It was cool, but like again, you know, superhero I movies. Only got one wish. Yeah, well, she was just yeah. That's what I thought too. That's what so I thought that was, also. That was a huge plot hole for me. So I was like, she gets another wish. That doesn't make sense. Maybe so because was, she made oh. the wish as the stone, and then when the stone turned into him, it like resetted everything. Yeah. Um, well, I do like Pedro Pascal's role though a lot. Um, but you know, I feel like, like him being a father and that whole thing, like. I understand trying to trying to provide a growth for a villain, but I don't think it's really needed. Like it, it his wasn't son really wasn't even needed. his son didn't look like him. He like hated his son. Like he, he I mean, like it's okay him. for it not that's, to look like yeah, him, that's but fine. that's not but it's just like I was more worried about the CGI than his what son I was really hoping you, you know what would have been a saving grace for this film is if everyone renounced their wish besides Cheetah. Like if she just was like, nah, like I'm good where I'm at and how powerful I am, then it would have made her like a villain, like because she's a major villain for Wonder Woman. Like it's it's like a whole thing, and I think that she looked great. It was just they um they fell into that into <laughs> that uh was that that stereotype of having a superhero or supervillain turn into what we know them as in the last twenty minutes of a movie and then die. Yeah. That always happens. It happened with Green Goblins, but yep, yeah, life is good. It can be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's Not move for that on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line from Pedro Pascal, but, <laughs> but Just stick um, to being the Mandalorian, man. That's, yeah, that's he, it. He was in that short my, and Lava Girl movie too. I haven't seen it. My but. mom was like, "Yeah, my mom was like, doesn't even look like him." I was like, "He has no mustache." I was, that's what it is. <laughs> the mustache makes the person. Yeah. So yeah. let's uh so now that we're done with movie talk, um you know, we're gonna get into a quick twenty twenty recap and we're gonna also go through our, our awards in a second too. But uh off top, I just wanna say twenty twenty was very interesting, it's diff- different, you know, had its building in different ways, even for movies, watching movies and the way they came out now they're coming out on streaming services. 
and the movie theaters at the same time. That's what HBO Max is doing. You know, it was cool that, you know, you can still go see the movie in theaters or the drive-in at, or you could see it at home in the comfort in the safety of your own home. But I feel like... So it's unprecedented, bro. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I mentioned earlier, like not being able to see these movies in theaters has really <clears throat> brought the value and the quality of them down a lot. Not everybody has the same surround sound, the same 4K TV, the same chair to enjoy a movie. You know, some people have different different ways of viewing movies when they're at home. So it definitely brings the value of a lot of these movies down. I feel like if Wonder Woman was in theaters, people would have liked it a little bit more. But, you know, it is what it is. And that goes for a lot of other movies. Um, I saw a few movies at the beginning of the year that I like more than, you know, the movies that came at the end of the year. And we're going to get into those as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, my recap is, it's okay. You know, I saw a lot of good movies. I saw a lot of good shows and I hope 2021 continues to move forward in, in the movie game and, and streaming game. So we'll For see. Me, like I was really, really impressed with how the movie industry just kind of pivoted for 2020 because it is unprecedented. Like we've never had movie theaters shut down before. No. You know, and they had all these slates oh. and all these movies and were it super sucked, you know. Double seven, uh, yeah, Black Widow. Man, so all of movies. all of Disney and even the Star Wars movie was supposed to be out, you the know. Quiet and place, like, the quiet mm-hmm. place two movie. Oh yep. my god, I was looking There's there's so many so many blockbusters that got moved or got postponed and what the Eternals was supposed to come out this year, all these different things, Black Widow, like how you said. And even with that, we still get we still got like a good amount of like of movies that were able to push through, you know, and able to to make a dent, to make a make an appearance where like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, with everything that was going on with that at the beginning of the year, um, us being able to see Tenet, um, you know, there there was a few other movies. And then really the streaming networks got to step up. And say, hey, we have these movies that are featuring, you know, people like Charlize Theron or Mark Wahlberg or, you know, Jamie Foxx or, you know, all of these other actors that would typically have an A-list movie come out. They said, here you go. Here's a streaming movie that's really, really dope. So, um, you know, with our first segment uh, of, of its kind, we are going to we feel like we need to give the flowers and the awards to these movies um, this year because this was the hardest year to put out a movie. So um, we have our Sound Flick Awards, or a.k.a. the Flickies, as Skywalker Mike put. put, um, You know, so we have these different categories. We have Score of the Year, the Score of the Year category, who made the most memorable music and and best music, in our opinion. Um, We have the Movie of the Year, of course, um, that we were able to watch. Um, we have the surprise movie of the year. The one that was just like, yo, didn't know it was going to be as fire as it actually was. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And then we also have the show of the year because due to the theater shutting down, we got a lot of time to watch some shows. And to be honest, these streaming networks are making shows into just long movies mm-hmm. that are amazing. Mm-hmm. That are like six hour, eight hour movies that we're looking at. And there's a ton of good shows that have been coming out this year and that will remain coming out. 
So I want to throw it over to my man, Ace Sincere, to let us know. We'll go through the first category, score of the year. Score of the year. Okay, guys. So we've kind of touched base on this on our last previous episodes, but the score kind of makes the movie right whether it's diegetic non-diegetic meaning if it's a part of what's actually happening or if it's actually just being used to kind of give that emotion uh skywalker kind of talked about you watch scenes without the music and it doesn't do anything justice and you get people like ludwig you get people like pharrell that sit watch these movies and know exactly what they need to do progression wise know what sounds they need to use so each of us picked different movies and different scores uh, wait, just to clarify, are we doing shows as well or just movies for this category? Uh, no, just, could, uh, as, as, I think score in general, you know? Yeah, yeah, you okay. can do score in general. Yeah, score okay, in general. Cool. Sweet. Technically, it's so, a movie score, but, yeah. you know, it's right. understandable well, for this so, so, what? Well, plus, audience, we want to hear from you as well. We want to know if you guys have other suggestions than yeah. we do or what we think. Yeah, well, um, you guys so please do so. Yeah, send us, send us everything you guys think. But for myself... Um, I'm going with Mulan with score of the year. Um, Mulan didn't really get as much as much hype as other movies. One, it being a live action version of Mulan. Two, no no Mushu. A lot of people remember that there's no Mushu. Um, but shout out to the composer Harry Gregson Williams. He's from the, a composer from the UK. He um, scored Mulan. I think it's very well executed as far as the movie goes. Um, it being very beautiful and uh, fitting the culture of what that movie is about. He he did a really good job of using all those things from the fight scenes to it just being her having conversations at home and kind of just capturing her or her, her, her family's history and all that good stuff. So Mulan would be my choice for score of the year. Good choice. I, I enjoyed Mulan a little bit. Um, I wish it would have came out of movies. I think I would have liked it a little bit more. See, it always goes back to True. the movies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's makes you want a home thing. theater. It makes you want a home yeah. theater because... Watching it from my smart TV is not doing it justice. Yeah, but that's a good pick. I like that. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, my score of the year is I feel like it's a little obvious. Um, I was also the first one to put my choice into the into the doc. So I chose Tenet by Ludwig uh, Gorenson. His score really changed the whole dynamic of that movie. You know, I know uh, Hans Zimmer was always working with uh christopher nolan before that and christopher nolan for once was like you know what let's let's give this kid a try and see what he can do and he really just went in on tenet with the the dynamic grandiose sound and it's crazy because i was just watching wonder woman and he did the score for that and hans zimmer and hans zimmer Ludwig, did, hans zimmer have, did the score for yeah, wonder woman okay yeah they they have a very similar sound so it was it was really not interesting, but it was cool to see that uh, Christopher Nolan trusted somebody with the same sound but different dynamic to, mm-hmm. to bring the score and bring the movie to life for Tenet. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was my decision. Um, that was one yeah. of our favorites of the year. So I thought, why yeah. not throw it in there? You know, and the, we did that Ludwig episode. So yeah, that dynamic reminds me of like Pharrell and Tyler, the creator, between Hans Zimmer and Ludwig. You know, it's kind of like using the same kind of sounds, but like freaking it in a way that's current and that's more, you know, experimental than Mm -hmm. what Hans Zimmer would do or like what Pharrell would do, you know? So I feel you on that. I feel you. Um, For me, um, my score that I chose was Soul 
and oh, okay. Soul, um, very, very recent movie that just came out. But I loved the jazz that was in the movie. But more so, what I really liked, um, aside from the jazz, which is very evident, is the kind of soft techno music that they threw in during um, parts in the Astro Plane or, or, you know, in the Great Before or different things like that. And um, the, <laughs> they the would duo, open the portal and it just yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, like, going there, bro. It's so cool. <laughs> and like the the duo who did that is um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which they did uh, original score for the Social Network, and oh. which I thought was really really cool. And then you also have John uh, John Batiste, and he was the one who wrote all of the jazz music for the film. So to have like one an Academy Award winning duo who who um who you know did that film the original film and or did like those parts and then also having like a jazz musician adding those parts it was just a really really good blend of how this film was both you know uh human mm-hmm. and in this spirit world this soul kind of world because i think jazz in that world would have been a little off so like i'm glad that they made the the proper uh distinction between the two with the music and with the coloring and everything like that yeah the the title of the movie soul is definitely a double entendre soul as in like human soul and soul as in music soul so exactly that was really cool that's what i thought for some reason when i saw the title i thought it was strictly gonna be about music and i was like oh like a human soul you know Mm -hmm. so that that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense totally but but those were our scores of the year yes Um, again let us know what you if you guys have a favorite score let us know what your score was and what you liked about it um Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe we'll tap into it in the future. Yeah. Um, so the next category is movie, bah, 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 movie of the year. Hey, and this is all of 2020, and I didn't really know it, but there were so many movies that came out, and you really couldn't tell, obviously, because there wasn't all these trailers on on the TV like coming out this Friday. Like I remember watching tv like every week it's like a movie coming out and it would be like next friday this movie's coming out it's like oh, okay that's that's cool so this year we didn't really get that so i didn't really realize how many movies came out but mm-hmm. my movie of the year was a movie that literally came out in january like literally like one of the first movies that came out and it just caught my eye right away i think i've seen it like about three or four times already mm-hmm. and it's the gentleman uh, that's the one it has Colin Farrell, Matthew McConaughey, um, several other top A-list actors. And what I really, really liked about this movie is the different vantage points. And it was, it was a movie that, about, that one also, did it have Hugh Grant too? Hugh Grant yes, was in it. it? Yeah. Hugh yeah. Grant was comedy yeah. in that movie. Yeah. So, uh, that movie is like about weed or it was supposed to be about marijuana which it kind of was, but they didn't tap into it too much. They didn't make it the main focus. It was more about power and mm-hmm. power in the streets of London and how how it operates and the different vantage points of each gang and the different stories that are being told and some of it's being made up on the way. And, you know, some people know the true story. Some people know, hey, this is just what I saw. You know, this is what I know. Yeah. 
So, this is the myth, the, the the legend of the streets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a part where he was like, uh, uh, and then uh, dry eyes shot him in the face. And it's like, okay, that's not what really happened. Tell yeah. it how it happened. He's like, all right, I just wanted to make it a little bit more exciting, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I, I really like the the different vantage points that it was giving us. And yeah, you know, that was really, it was really good dialogue. Blew it out the water. Colin Farrell was awesome, and his little minions. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was yeah, cool. yeah. I I think that That's the gentleman was a really really good movie, and it seems like it was so long ago because yeah. of how crazy this year was. But yeah, we we saw that at the top of the year, and we all knew like, okay, this is gonna be great. And yeah, I remember I doing it. the podcast. I think I've said it. it several times. Like that's my movie of the year. And I yeah. was going to go with some more recent C bias ones, but you know, I just that one's the one that really stuck to me. Yeah. No, I'm glad you picked that one. I'm glad you picked that one. That was a really, really good movie and could be easily forgotten. But it's one of those movies where, like, once it hits HBO or once it hits like just a streaming network, you're going to be happy that you clicked on it to watch. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's really cool. For me, my movie of the year um, was from Netflix streaming um, because I felt like I gave this movie of the year because I felt like Netflix um, really just kicked it up a notch this year. They understood what happened and they pivoted really fast. I don't know if this was what, what they were meant to do, but I give them just so much kudos for providing us with uh, top quality movie entertainment from our home uh, for having a lot of these actors that you would see in huge movies um, in their movies. And they've been doing that since uh, that Idris movie that they that they had. Um, I forgot what it was called. It was like something that had to do with Africa. Um, but Idris Alba starred in it. And that was like one of the first times that they did like a movie that was produced by Netflix that could have been picked up by like a studio, you know, Mm -hmm. and they've been doing that constantly, constantly. They've had Mark Wahlberg, they've had Jamie Foxx. And this movie is um, where they had Chris Hemsworth and it's called Extraction. And it is uh, produced by the Russo brothers. And for the Russos, um, you know, they obviously did a lot of the Marvel movies, Infinity War, Endgame, and they've done um, uh, they've done uh, Winter Soldier, and so they did this movie with uh, with a Marvel alum, Chris Hemsworth. But what was so cool to me about the movie is that it took place, um, you know, on location, so it's international. Um, I believe it was in India, so it got to show you that culture and the way that it was shot and filmed was there was so much action and so you were so involved in it with with this kid and you had betrayal and you had all these things that I don't know man I was I was in it I love the movie yeah. I thought it was dope I think that um that it builds on itself and that it can be something that can continue um so I just wanted to shout uh shout them out for that because mm. I feel like that that was the movie of the year for me um due to the circumstances of what was going on and how appreciative and how refreshing it was to kind of see that story, that war story, that mercenary story, and Chris Hemsworth playing somebody so different than what he's known for playing and, and, um, you know, and getting that done. So that's my movie of the year. Sincere, what you think? What's your movie of the year? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, Movie of the year. 
it's going to be onward for me. I know a lot pick. of people. I know a lot of people weren't digging onward, but I loved it. Oh, um, wow. I don't shout know. out to those people. You suck. That movie was great. It made me cry. Then tear up. Yeah, bro. shout out to a uh, shout out Spider Man and Star Lord for holding it down. But um, <laughs> I yeah, feel like Tom Holland and Chris pandemic. Pratt. You know, because of the pandemic, it kind of like was slept on a little bit. Right. Well, Onward was the last movie we saw together in theaters before, like pre-COVID, right? It was yeah. like the last movie to come out. We went, we yeah. went to the theater in Montana. We're chilling. But mm-hmm. um, Onward is super dope from from the dialogue to the lesson in the story to it being um, very mythical. I don't know. I think that's what got me, too, is that the mythical yeah. use of, mythical of how everything felt real and how magic kind of died down. And then they actually helped bring magic back. Um, plus the score was amazing. Just everything about that movie, just feel good. And again, kind of like Skywalker, I teared up at the end. Um, if a movie makes me tear up, then it automatically becomes one of my favorite movies. So, um, they didn't even yeah. show the guy's face and we teared up. Yeah, we even or what they even talked about. Yeah, I guess. Or what mm-hmm. they even talked about and like just seeing him talk with his dad made me mm-hmm. tear up. You yeah, know, never met him ever. So that was that was a very touching story. Brotherly, brotherly quest, brotherly love. But yeah, yeah. Uh, plus they made a huge Cheeto puff, which like hyped me up because I really wanted one. So um, onward, on, onwards, <laughs> onwards, gonna be my move. I forgot movie about the Cheeto. Year. Nice. I feel it. I feel it. All right. So let's move on to the surprise movie of the year. What was the movie that just took us back, flipped us around? We were like, whoa, okay. This isn't what I was in for, but I'm glad that I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You want to kick it off? Go for it. Sure. I'll kick it off. My surprise movie of the year was kind of a tie. And the the second one uh, comes because of how recent it it was. Um, But the first one I just want to say is The Old Guard, which is another uh, Netflix-only film starring Charlize Theron. And I just really, really like that story of them being um, like kind of immortal in a sense. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what made me feel like that it was the contender for surprise movie of the year was how in depth the story got, like it kept making turns where you thought it could have just like evened out, you know, it could have just like went parallel and they were like, all right, yeah, there's this, scientist that wants to kill these people who can live longer but then you discover that like oh well like he just wants their blood so that they can do some pharmaceutical things then you discover that like somebody who's working with him um has like a a, another motive and then you discover that oh there is people before them that were a part of it and you learn the backstory about those people they didn't have to go into that and then they have it come all full circle by bringing all of the things that they talked about into this new focus where they can make a sequel from it Mm -hmm. and it's now akin to like so yeah it's like (laughs) x-men or it's akin to like wanted or it's akin to like this this kind of cult of people who do amazing things and save the world in secret. And I just thought that it wrapped it up so well while presenting a new villain that superhero movie, it just wasn't what I expected at all. Like they could have made that the most flat movie of just full of action and that's it. But um, they really took it there and they really built a universe. And um, so I had to commend them on that. And so that's, that's like my main surprise movie of the year. 
But my second surprise movie of the year, of course, is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom for I just didn't expect the film to be shot like that, you know, for it to be so stage like for it to be so um, theater like. And I just really, really commend as I was watching it, I just kept getting more invested and and I was just like, man, this is just so dope. Oh man, like this blocking, like oh they turned like this and they did. Oh wait, is this being all shot in the same spot? They're going back to this place. Like it just really took me on a journey. Yeah. Uh, with these characters, which I appreciate. Yeah. Nice. You want to tap into your sense here? Your surprise. Yeah. Movie? Um. So this movie is my surprise movie for multiple reasons. One, it was technically the highest grossest movie, grossing movie of the year, um, but that's because it was pre COVID. Which was a surprise. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a surprise. Um, also, the movie itself had some surprises in it. Um, so, shout out to Bad Boys Three, Bad Boys for Life. This, uh, Bad yeah, Bad Boys uh, <laughs> I still hate that title. Yeah, I, I was like, it. wait, is it Bad Boys Three or Four? It's Bad Boys Three. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. But um, no, shout out to Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, man. Um, I remember I saw this movie twice. I went to the drive in since I went to the drive in. I don't watch it too much. So I went to go watch it a second time. Um, and it was it was just as good as watching it the first time from the action to um, it creating a story more about um, Will Smith's character, um, kind of getting more in depth and kind of seeing out him being outside of like a bachelor and whatnot um and kind of seeing where they are now because they're technically ogs in the game and having to deal with these younger kids coming in using all this technology and you know what I mean? um so it was a really good movie i really enjoyed it a lot of people didn't so you're kind of yeah i have nothing to say I mean, to you but i didn't think yeah. that he was gonna get shot so that was that was a surprise right like, oh okay you just get blasted they, they, they killed off the captain that was a surprise Oh man, now that's a spoiler alert. I didn't say who got shot, but <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, it, it's been out for almost a year. That's on you. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah. So my surprise movie of the year is something that just came out. I think it was like two weeks ago or a week ago. Uh, it was a movie directed by George Clooney, which surprised me because I was like, I didn't know George Clooney was out here directing movies, and it was a space movie. I really love space movies. Uh, it was called The Midnight Sky. Mm. So pretty much uh, this movie takes place on Earth and in space. And pretty much Earth is trying to find a new Earth because pretty much Earth is going to shit. The oxygen is not breathable. and Like in real life. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah, you pretty much get into that. You can't even live on the surface. You have to live <laughs> underground in order to survive. And it got to a point where... Um, the movie takes place in the Arctic Circle because that's where they have some of the space stations for the satellites. So they can uh, talk to the astronauts. Pretty much they went to a, a moon on Jupiter and they're trying to inhabit it there. And they finally find the planet and it's perfect. But Earth is already done. Like they did it too late. And, you know, it was really heartfelt because uh, in the movie, George Clooney plays one of the main characters. And he's the guy who found out about the moon and that we can go there and live there and he's not even able to go there you know he dies on earth because he was sick and and it, it's a really really heartfelt movie there's a lot more different elements to it um it's it's more of a drama than anything and um you know i just you know i didn't think it, it in, in a way this movie surprised me because i didn't even know it was going to come out and i really enjoyed it you know i, I thought it was just going to be one of those 
you know, just like another Netflix movie. But, you know, every time Netflix drops something, I guess they're just surprising us in general. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people are not expecting Netflix to be dropping these blockbusters. But the fact that they got George Clooney to direct the movie for them, and who knows, maybe this movie would have came out in theaters if it wasn't for the pandemic. But mm-hmm. still, I enjoyed it. It's called The Midnight Sky. If you haven't seen it, go watch it on Netflix. It's it's really it's really cool. Nice, nice. All right, guys, let's wrap up our Flickies Awards with <laughs> Show of Flickies. the Year, the Flickies, uh, with our Show of the Year. Um, sincere, kick us off. Yeah, man, this one caught me by surprise. Um, I've watched a lot of shows this year. A lot of it's been rewatching, so trying to tap I into the newer changed. stuff. I saw that you changed. I did your... change. Yeah, because I was thinking about it a little bit more. Um, so originally my show of the year was gonna be Big Mouth, just because Big Mouth is that show has everything, man. It has everything from musical numbers to great writing, great comedy. Um, but there's actually one show that actually got me a little bit more intrigued based on the person. Um, a lot of people were hating on this, but a lot of people came around. So shout out to the Selena series on Netflix. Um, it is based around Selena, the singer who passed away when she was 23. She was shot. Um, of course, everybody knows the movie Selena that kind of got JLo her start where JLo kind of started off. Um, and a lot of people were against the show because, it was in JLo, right? Everybody expects Selena to look some type of way or they already have the preset minds of what it was like. But the show gives so much backstory of when her and her family were doing gigs when she was younger to their like her dad's like backstory of what, what band he was in. Um, it's just very well put together overall. Um, plus the score and the acting is A1. Um, it just really hits home for me. So the Selena series was actually my show for the year. Nice. Nice. Nice, man. I definitely have to check that out. Love Selena. Rest in peace to her. Um, for my show of the year, um, I picked Queen's Gambit. And that is a show on Netflix about a chess prodigy and a drug addict. Um, it was uh, starring, um, I forget her name. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I think it's Amy. She's so fine. She's so yeah. fine. She's so fine. <laughs> she is. She is. Um, but she was also in New Mutants, and she played um, Magic in in yeah. New Mutants. But um, she she stars as this orphan uh, in Queen's Gambit who is addicted to these pills, but these pills have made her um, be able to focus in chess matches that are just unprecedented and she's out here knocking out um all of these uh chess champions and chess players professionals who are predominantly men all of them are men and this was at a time when women weren't playing chess or people didn't expect women to really have an interest in such a game and to use their logic and their wit and the movie or the show just has a lot of drama, a lot of twists and turns as it goes through. And um, it's definitely, definitely, a, yeah, it's definitely a good, a good, a good show. You know, if you like chess, if you play chess or anything like that, you'll find it exciting. And if you don't know anything about chess, that's what I liked about it is that it'll, it'll inform yeah, you about, the game, it you, you know, cool. yeah, it teaches you about the game. So yeah, that was my show of the year. It's a fun game to play if you haven't played it. You know? Yes. It's more fun than checkers. I'll stick the checkers. Very. No, no, no. no I hate no. checkers. It's not fun. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, gets Chinese checkers. Just takes Chinese checkers is pretty interesting, but regular checkers played. just has no no strategy. Chinese checkers is is like is it's pretty interesting just like on how you can move, but still chess right. chess is chess is the that's just like so the, the yeah, do. just top of the line, just top of the line type of game, yeah. mind game. Well, uh, I actually had like three different shows that I was going to choose from, but the one that really stuck out to me this year was um, Lovecraft Country. That show just really brought in so much. It brought in history. It brought in drama. It had some action. It had some horror. And it was some great actors in it. Um, Off top, I can't really remember a lot of the actors' names, but you know, just the storytelling, like from from episode to episode, had different dynamics, mm-hmm. and it, it each episode like left me wondering what's next. After the first, ep- after the second episode was done, it kind of I thought, man, is this the end of the show? But it just kept bringing new turns and new twists to the show. It really, it really. Just, just threw, threw, threw me for a curveball, you know. Yeah, and, um, if I you love the history. Seen, yeah, and if you haven't watched Lovecraft Country yet, it's a, it's a really good movie. It's based off of a book, and um, it's on HBO Max. Go watch hey, that. Very, shout very, out HBO Max. Very, very exciting show. You know, yes. it'll leave you wanting more. And there is a season two coming. I think it's in the works. It's being written right now. So mm-hmm. I'm very hype on that. So Ooh, come, awesome. Awesome, come awesome. 2021, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have tons of shows next year um, to to fill up that category. So yes. it's going to be very, very fun. This is our first uh, Sound Flick Awards that we've given the for flick- 2020. And your, the flick- your flickies are in the mail. Yes, they are in the mail. Um, <laughs> but next year, we'll we'll definitely um, narrow all of these things down, and we would love to hear what some of your votes are. We we may even open up the votes to all of you listeners, um, just to make it a little bit more interactive and stuff. And we're not going to snub anybody. We'll we'll actually go by where the votes are and talk about that because yeah, we're, we got integrity. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, that wraps up our Sound Flick Awards segment. Um, guys, let's uh, let's let's do a quick recap of I mean, not a recap, a, a quick uh, looking forward to. Yeah, I, I, have, I have some quick honorable mentions for 2021 that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I definitely want to see Dune. My most anticipated movie, which was supposed to come out this year, was 007 No Time to Die. I really really wanted that movie to come out this year. But yeah. I'm going to have to wait till next year. So, I mean, from from any of the quick honorable mentions, is there anything you guys see or anything off the top of your head? Um, I'm really looking forward to um, just Marvel making an, making an appearance next year uh, with Black Widow, yeah. with Handful Eternals. Yeah, they got Eternals, Black Widow, um, even uh, Spider-Man that's going to be coming out at the end of next year. And... Um, a handful of shows that they have prepped. So I'm really, really excited for what they got going on just for, um, and then space jam Two, trying to see what, what Ooh. that's, what that's going to be like. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the mu- or to the movie industry getting back on track now that yeah. 2020 is over. Yeah. We'll see what they have in the works. Anything you're excited for sincere. 
Um, my prayers are I'm excited to go back to the movie theaters and be able to hang out with you guys a little bit in that aspect. But yeah. um, for sure, just anything Marvel based um, definitely shows. Um, even though things will get back to normal, I kind of don't want to leave the house just because like I have my studio space now and I have all my subscription services lined up, ready to go. So I'm just really hyped to see what the new year brings. Um, but if I were to be hype about one thing, it's probably Venom 2. Just because um, I'm ready to kind of see Spider-Man and Venom in the same movie, assuming there's going to be an ending cut scene that Tom Holland's going to pop in and Venom's going to finally attach itself to Spider-Man, yeah. which is where he gets his 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 basically his animation that everybody knows him for. Right. The the white outlines on his on his suit. Um, having the spider logo in the middle and him getting those powers kind of just like similar to Spider-Man. Um, so I'm just, I'm very excited about that, but of course anything Marvel. Yeah. So nice. I, I have a theory that it might not even be Tom Holland, that it might be one of the other oh, Spider-Man Morales. that they bring it back. I think it'll Don't be you Miles. dare. Don't That'll you be Miles. Really know? I, I agree. It'll Miles, be Miles will be dope or they might bring back Andrew Garfield because we don't know what happens in, Spider-Man with the with the multiverse of madness and I how think, that affects everything. Well, I think Ooh, off the, yeah. the Spider-Verse movie with him going to all those portals and getting Gwen Stacy to help Spider-Gwen and all that. I think they're leaning towards the live action Miles Morales movie. But we'll see. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, guys. Well, this has been our last uh, pod for the year, episode 38. Thank you so much for everyone listening and being a part of this whole y- crazy year with us. Thanks for as we've two hours of this episode. This is great. This is great. You know, hopefully we can give you guys more content coming into 2021. Um, we're going to really uh, start just revamping what we're doing and, and adding more to it. And it's just great that we were able to make do with 2020 being so crazy as it was. Um, so we just want to make sure that you guys are following us on Instagram at SoundFlickPod, um, on Twitter at SoundFlickPod, listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, support us individually uh, on our Instagrams and, and on our Twitters. And we will be back next year, 2021, freshly new, renewed. Ready to go. Rejuvenated, ready to go. Yeah. That's right. Before Rejuvenated, we go, ready to go. What's up? Week, a song yes. just came out that has you and I on it. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. So this, it, let's uh, end the year with a bang. Let's end it with it. Heck yeah. Shout so, out Diesel um, for an awesome song. Awesome song that is called You're Dope. And that is featuring your boy, Norik That's Cool. A Sincere and Aries K with the angelic vocals um, mm-hmm. all of us together on, on a song that is going to be off of Diesel's new album called Love Hurts and Hurts is spelled H-E-R-T-Z so you already know we're getting into those frequency vibes um, but yeah we can end the podcast with that anybody else have any last remarks? All right. Love to you all. Happy holidays and peace. Peace. Happy New Year. I'm going to touch you where I know you like it.
And it's clear that we're both excited I know that I ain't your type But I light up your life, beat the Hot of your night, take you high in the sky We can go through the clouds Till it rain, rain down You've been surrounded by hounds Don't let none of them around Just get rid of them clouds